Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, Lore Sports proudly brings to you the best racing podcast in the world. Now, here's your host, Lauren Leach, the color guy, Mark Allen, the Loose Lugs Racing Podcast. Hey, Loose Lug Nation. Welcome to episode 90 of the Loose Lugs Racing Podcast. Thanks to Chris for that awesome intro as usual. Uh, Mark, when I think of the number 90, I think of Dick Trickle to begin with. Uh, then Steve Dorr, uh, he used to be number 10, but he's been running 90 the last few years. Also, Dick Brooks, Jody Ridley, Ken Schrader, Mike Wallace, Sonny Hutchins, Bill Dennis, Bobby Hillen Jr., Hutch Strickland, Ricky Rudd, Benny Parsons, Charlie Glotzbach, Runt Harris, Shorty York, and Dick Getty. Who do you got? Wow. Take a breath, dude. <laughs> Dick Getty? I never heard of him before. Hey, didn't, didn't Ernie Irvin, didn't he start in the 90? I he, thought he was in the 90 at one time when he started his cup career. I believe he has three races in the 90, but uh, the the first part, portion of that, they had a lot of top fives or, or something associated with that, where Cerny Ehrman only had three races, so I didn't include him, but you are correct. He did race the 90 three times. Yeah. Hey, locally, for us old people that were at Apple Creek, how about Stu Nitsky? You know, I think uh, Frank and his son runs on that uh, Plover mostly. Um, wasn't there a girl ASCII down by Jefferson Slinger? I think there was a 90 that was down there. It slips my mind. That, but, uh, yeah, you picked up all the 90s, man. You got a ton of them over there. Yeah, there, there was a bunch here. Um, popular number. We're, uh, we're getting into a few of them that will be popular again, and then we'll restart. Yeah, we've, we've gotten through some really tough ones, though. <laughs> but this one was a little easy. No doubt, man. <laughs> Well, let's start this thing by going to the hotline and uh, bringing on a guy who's having a fantastic season up here at Wisconsin International Raceway. We're going to talk to the real deal, Jordan Thiel. So let's bring him on. Let's do it. Jordan, thanks for coming on here. How are you doing, buddy? Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, Happy to be here. I'm doing good. How are you guys? Hey, Jordan. How are you? Hey, man, I got to ask you. Is this the most fun you've had in one racing season? Uh, you know, that's a good question. And uh, without a doubt, I can, I, you know, maybe maybe when I was a real young kid racing go-karts, I had some years out in Shawano where, you know, we won a couple dozen races. And, you know, we had some really good years back then. But uh, I still think now being in my 30s this year, uh, it, it, it tops everything. I Going into this year, you know, we were just hoping to, to, to be top five and, and be competitive and and to let the guys know we were there. And, and we've done all of that in a bag of chips. And, and um, <laughs> I'm just so proud of what we've done. And, and, and you know, we're, we're halfway through the year. We're not done yet. We're going to keep moving forward and, and do the best we can every week. Oh, man, you and your team and family should be proud for sure. Uh, hey, I want to start back back in the day, we'll call it. Um, how did you get started in racing? Did you start out as a as a race fan, and at what point did you know you wanted to get into racing? Well, so that's a that's kind of an interesting story, I guess you could say. Um, my my parents were never really into racing, 
but my great uncle Wally was was really into it and he was of course my neighbor and he he helped Jim Duco on his pit crew for many 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 years and I've got you know old Polaroids of me sitting in Duco's car or waving checkered flags in his shop since I was you know five years old um as funny as it sounds what really started everything when i was four years old my great uncle put me on his lawnmower and he started i just started driving around his yard and my mom came running out of the house losing her mind and my uncle's oh, it's fine the kid's fine and and then when i was six or seven he when i was six he bought me like a go-kart to just tool around in the backyard and tear the grass up and i did that for a year and then when i was seven he bought me one to go race down at uh, the carding kettle in elkhart lake and so I started racing go-karts competitively at seven and, and geez, I did that until 14, got a mini stock and ran that, uh, down at 141. And I missed that Mustang. I wish I would have never sold that thing. That was a nice car. I liked that one. Uh, but I ran that 14 to 17 years old. And then at 18, built my first super late and been doing that ever since. Man, that is, uh, so cool. Hey, uh, how did the number two come about? Cause you mentioned Jim Duco, who was 66 always with lamers, as I recall. Um, how did the number two come about? Well, that was actually for my great aunt Jan, my great aunt, well, my great uncle Wally's wife. She was, of course, they were both huge into racing and NASCAR race fans and local and you name it, they were about it. And uh, anyway, she was a big, big Rusty Wallace fan. And actually, at one point in my life, when I was very young, my uncle and I would make fun of her for being a Rusty fan. And then somewhere around the point in life, when I actually started racing, I decided that, you know, I gave her crap all these years. I'm, I'm going to now I'm going to now I'm going to put a two on the car for her, or the go kart at the time. And and it just, you know, I started to like Rusty at that time, too. And, and it just stuck. And now I'm now I'm number two. I've been for forever. Huh. <laughs> hey, hey, for the longest time you were racing, you know, and hey, you lived right down the street right there in the Fox Cities, but you never came to Kakana. What was the reason for why you hesitated to come out there and now, now you're racing there? Well, you know, to be honest, as silly as it sounds, the, the, big, the most difficult thing was the Thursday nights, you know, especially nowadays, you know, being an adult and having a wife and kids and a, and a real job and everything, it's difficult to do Thursdays. Years ago when I was younger in college and all that, it was still, it was difficult to get a crew and everything to, to, to make Thursday nights happen. You know, either guys got to be not working or get out of work early on Thursday and then Friday morning is always tough because... Thursday nights usually late, you know, all that goes. So it was easier. I mean, I when I was when I first started, I ran a couple years at Kakana because it was close. But then just to try and make the Thursday nights happen and to get the help and and to try and learn, it just didn't really work out. And so then I was able to go out to Golden Sands on Friday nights early on, and then uh, Tundra came about. So I started traveling with them just to be able to run different tracks. And it was really, really what started all of it was just the pain in the ass of Thursday nights, and then. After I spent the last four or five years trying to figure out a way to, to get the program to run back at Kakana, and it just didn't work out. And, and then this offseason, I kind of sat down with, with my main man, Joe, and said, look, this is now, right now in my life, this is number one important to me is I want to run back at home. So we got to figure out how to make it happen. So we sat down and pretty much planned our schedule around Kakana on Thursday nights and, and we were able to still make Tundra happen since uh, Devoy, my buddy Devoy wanted to team up with me there. So I was able to, to split the schedule, but we still had, you know, over 20 races this year and, and it gets to be a lot, uh, you know, time, money, energy, the whole nine. 
Hey, speaking of uh, Tundra Series, you've done quite well in that series over the past few years since it pretty much started and you've been running it. Talk about kind of running that series and traveling around the Midwest doing that. Oh, well, you know, just the Tundra Series is fun, man. I mean, just the traveling series itself is fun. And then, you know, the people that have run it over the years, you know, you kind of, you in racing in general, we're, we're a tight-knit group. But, you know, the Tundra guys, the, the people that run it and the guys that race it, uh, folk, the Tundra travelers, you know, everyone's pretty close and it's a good good family feel um so being able to to run economically uh on a traveling series is really what's what's the biggest draw in my mind there i want to go back a little bit from the days where you said you hopped in a super late at 18 because that's still a big jump to go uh from what you were doing to us to a super late i mean that's (laughs) that's a huge jump there um how hard was it to adapt to a super late from what you were doing um it was it was tough, but in my mind, Lauren, actually going from the go-kart to the four-cylinder was almost more difficult because once you got to the car, now you have actual suspension components and the bot, the car is traveling, it's moving. You know, in the go-kart, everything's stiff. You just manhandle it, crank the wheel and hang on and you can kind of throw it where you want. And, you know, now I've learned you can do that in a car, but the feeling is incredibly different. But, you know, jumping to a super late was still, uh, still a hell of a a jump and i actually remember um before i before i went to super lates i actually tested andy cluck's limited late at kakana once and i was i think 16 or 17 and and his was set up with no power steering and i remember <laughs> taking a couple laps and and losing my mind and he just said well kid the faster you go the easier it'll be to turn so learn how to go faster and i was like well that's a great way to uh okay um that was you know that was an interesting uh interesting start but i actually i still know andy so he's a good guy and i was grateful for him letting me uh, test that because it definitely helped uh help get the program started oh that's that's a name i have not heard in a long time man uh uh him and elena man i miss seeing them at the track yeah he's a good guy i like their family they were good um um yeah um i've been around a long time (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah, going fast is the key. Even a fan like me can understand that there, buddy. Yeah, yeah. Hey, as you've gone, as you've been running every week out there, you're getting better. What have you learned out there without giving away any secrets? But now the <laughs> victories have come. What have you learned from the beginning of the season to get better out there? Well, you know, when we sat down in the off season, another reason for, for wanting to run at Kakana was just being able to run at consistently, run the same track every week. And, and I think for myself, that's been big. You know, even even racing all the years that I have and the experience that I have, you know, the competition is still incredibly tough everywhere you go. And every year it seems to get harder. So it was it was more of our goal was let's just let's start let's start off small and can just try and be consistent and just pick up a little bit by little little by little every week. And, you know, we spent the first couple of weeks really kind of searching and then um we hit on something that that felt really good three or four weeks in and then we kind of started moved the baseline to that and then we've just been making very small changes from there and it's really been uh it's really been great but i mean in all reality i mean we haven't changed much from from the the pathfinder baseline setup i i owe a lot to joe and jason and lars and the guys over at pathfinder for for putting together some incredible pieces of machinery you just mentioned, um, you know, it took a week or two to kind of get acclimated and then kind of took off there. Before the couple of wins, you finished second and third a bunch. Um, and you and I were kind of joking, you know, you're going to come visit me in Victory Lane. 
then I saw your wife, Mallory, one night. I said, tonight's the night, huh? And sure enough, you have two wins. You've had a consistent season. But the field there is so competitive. I think maybe I'm biased. I think it's the best in the state as far as weekly shows for a super late model. Um, talk about racing with uh, that um, that group of drivers that is so consistent as well. Well, that's, you know, that's one of the things that, that stops a lot of, you know, quote unquote outsiders from coming in is, you know, the local boys at Kakana, they're, they're tough. They've, they've run that track for, for many years and they've got a lot of laps there and it's hard, it's hard to come in and kind of join the group, if you will. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm happy and honored to, to be racing with the guys. They're, they're mostly clean. Uh, some of the nights have been a little rough, but I mean, you know, it's racing, you know, it's, stuff like that's going to happen it's just uh, it's up to us as a group to to police ourselves a little better on some things but you know it's yeah it's it's awesome i don't um <laughs> awesome train of thought sorry boys <laughs> it's all right um yeah i mean just going up against that group of drivers is is a challenge but you're doing it man yeah, i appreciate it our our goal of of staying consistent as has definitely helped. And, you know, to be honest, I mean, I said it, I said it to you in victory lane there. One of our, our problems that's somehow has kind of helped us is just me not being able to qualify very well. We've been catching that invert and starting in the top six every week, which I mean, that's one thing at Kakana with the way everybody is, everybody is so good and the field is so tight. You can't make a mistake or you can't be off one day because you're going to, you're going to fall right to the back. There's, there's eight guys that can win the show any night. So you got to be on your A game every week, and and being able to start up front really helps a lot with that. I mean, the guy that starts on the pole doesn't always win every race anyway, so you got to be able to stay up there. But point being, is track position is key because you know it's it's hard to it's it's hard to keep your position because everybody behind you is is as good as you are, if not better. Hey, now that the dust is settled, and I don't really want to hit a sore spot with you here, but how do you feel uh, now that after? Uh, you uh, let the white race slip through your fingers and you didn't get that. Uh, you know, I mean, after last week, it certainly takes the pain away a little bit. Um, but I mean, at the end of the day, I'm not bitter about it. It, it. it is what it is. It's over and done with. In my mind, it was a racing incident. Um, there's always going to be, well, there could be three sides to the argument, his, hers, and the truth. But in this one, you know, there's two sides to it. And, and it is what it is. And it's over and done with. And I'm not mad about it. I wish the call would have been different. But uh, some people don't agree with that. Some people do. And and there's no point in my mind to, to piss and moan about it or, or to drag anybody down. You know, it's just it's over and done with. And and like you like you said, you know, thankfully, we were able to, to to put the cherry on top and win last week. So we can kind of just forget about it and put it away. But, you know, on the same hand, you know, what we wanted to go into this year was to at least be competitive and, and everyone know that we're there. So. I mean, all the second places, the couple wins we had, even just the first win, and even, you know, we were racing for the win, and then, you know, there was an accident, and we had to go to the back. At least we were racing for the win. So, you know, at the end of the day, that's that's what I take home is, is we're there, we're competitive, and, and shit's going to happen no matter what. I've been in that situation, and, you know, many more times than once in my career. I've been doing this a long time. It's, it is what it is. That is a great answer, man. <laughs> thanks <laughs> just how i feel <laughs> um does that add um what, what's the word i want to say does that add something to trying to win the next week knowing that um you didn't agree with something the last week or is it just pretty much business as usual going out there and it's over as soon as the race is over 
Um, in this situation, it's pretty much business as usual. You know, I've always said um, I drive, I, I sometimes drive better when I'm pissed off, but that's more of, you know, in the situation if, you know, I we get together and then I get sent to the back and then there's still 30 laps left in the race or, you know, longer races, you if that plays a factor where, you know, I'm, I'm angry and I might drive a little better, but, um, you know, in this situation, no. Uh, talking about the consistency of the group here, you are sitting fifth in points, only 29 back. So the top five is separated by only 29. Hell, the top eight is only uh, 75 points separated. I remember JVO was 80 points out plus last year and made a run. So um, you are certainly in the thick of the things here. It's possible, yeah. Yeah, we've been, we've been, uh, we didn't necessarily want to be points racing coming into this, but uh, all of a sudden you are. And I mean, really with with our finishes and the consistency we've had you know i would have expected to have been higher but there again i think it just goes back to us not being able to capitalize on the qualifying points and that's where it really hurts us but um we're just going to keep trying to you know finish top five hopefully top three every race and and contend for those wins and and hopefully try and keep creeping up into the points there and like you said it's it's tight it's close i think i think the top three is feasible i think it'll be tough to to get the lead, but I'm also surprised with how many wins Sawyer has this year. He's not in the lead, but uh, I guess last week having to where he finished uh, didn't help him at all. So, well, uh, what a great win last week, man! Coming back after that incident in the white race, um, you were on fire. Due to winning, you're going to have to start back in the pack and come through a little bit. It seems like you guys have hit on something in the long run, though. I've been kind of paying attention to who's coming on late in the runs, and it seems like you guys have hit on something there. Uh, maybe a little bit. I think um, historically, just kind of the way I operate, I just again with not being able to not being able to qualify, I need to I need to chase something, and I can you know, I'll, I'll, over time I can change what I'm doing or figure out what I need to do differently or, or what's, what the track is or whatever to try and make the car go faster. If you give me two laps and you tell me do the best you can, uh, here we are. <laughs> <laughs> hey Jordan, who helps you out, man? Who's your sponsors to make it happen? Oh, uh, well, I definitely have to thank the bank of Kakana, um, Pathfinder chassis, uh, Wagner automotive section seven, one, five, um, Brett Smith of Appleton, those guys are awesome. <clears throat> um, definitely forgetting some here. Put me on the spot. I wasn't ready for it. Mirror <laughs> finished. Uh, detailing. Uh, our friends over at Dairyland Trading. Um, uh, the Hill Tavern. Uh, I believe that is all of them. Uh, TD Graphics. Appreciate everybody that that helps us make it happen. Well, hey, man, you're having a one hell of a season here. What I think is really cool is at the end of the race is uh, your wife, Mallory, and your and your kid come down and, and celebrate, and it's really a family deal, which uh, I always enjoy seeing, man. I appreciate it, and that's another reason why I'm thankful to be racing at home is, you know, we're not traveling, so the kids are only 10 minutes down the road, so it's not like we have to cart they have to get carted around and, and don't want to go to all these places. So it's nice that I can bring them and, and even have them in victory lane. That was, God, that was awesome. <laughs> I, uh, I can't imagine the feeling there's probably not much better than that, but, uh, no, not much. You got that right, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> well, Hey man, uh, thank you for coming on here. We appreciate it so much. We can't wait to have you Anytime. back on. 
Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Continued success to you and your team, and uh, we look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate it. You take care of them. All right. Good luck, man. And hydrate, man. You'll be out one tomorrow. So yes, sir. You, you got it. <laughs> See you, buddy. Bye. Take care. Yeah. Very nice. Well, uh, Mark, uh, it was great to catch up with Jordan there. Um, he's one that we talked about at the beginning of the season, right? We were excited to see what he was going to do at a, as a full-time competitor here at WIR. Like you said, he was right down the road for years and just couldn't make it happen. He did this year, and we were excited to have him. And I tell you what, he hasn't disappointed. He's having a great season. He's having fun this year. You could see it, man, so... You know, the ups and downs, but he's still uh, slugging away, man, and he's getting better at it every week. Man, he's uh, he's a wheel man for sure. And I'm going to see, because last time he won, he kind of made it into the top five, too, if, I'm, if I don't remember. If I'm correct on that, I think maybe even top three. So um, he's still going to be one to watch tomorrow, even though he's going to have to come from a little ways back. Yeah, for sure. But uh, nice tight, tight points race here going uh, into the last month here. Absolutely. Well, Mark, let's switch gears from Jordan. Uh, thanks to him for joining us again. Let's talk about the NASCAR weekend this past weekend at Pocono. Uh, starting with the truck series, Tanner Gray wallops the inside wall after getting loose underneath Kaz Grala. Yeah, took four laps. And he put her in. That, was a hard, that was a hard crash, man. Bad angle, hard crash, absolutely. Had to double take and see where he actually went, and also, oh, he missed the end of that wall, and then, yeah, slide across the grass, and he caught her pretty hard. Yep. Zane Smith would win the first stage over Sanchez, De Benedetto, Bush, Hill, Garcia, Heim, Enfinger, Friesen, and Taylor Gray. Yeah, Zane Smith was hooked up, man. He looked like the guy to beat after stage one. Yeah, and then fifteen or so trucks stay out on strategy. Um, and then in stage two, some pit with three to go. The majority of the trucks that stayed out did. And then Zane doesn't uh, doesn't try to close the gap on Heim for the regular season championship, or he does, and Heim's crew did a great job by getting him out in front of Kyle there to minimize the damage. Yeah, that was a good deal. But, yeah, Zane Smith, you know, he's, he's tallying up them, uh, them championship points with these stage wins. Absolutely. Uh, Zane Smith would close the gap uh, there in stage two. He wins the second stage as well over Friesen, Sanchez, DiBenedetto, Enfinger, Rhodes, Ancrum, Carruth, Howard, and Crafton. Yep, there wasn't too much uh, action, just nothing but strategy for stage two there. Yep. Uh, after stage uh, two there, uh, Sanchez gets loose underneath Garcia, and they spin. Uh, Garcia hammers the wall. Hyman Bush were swapping the lead back and forth just before that. Yes, Sanchez just did a simple spin, but Garcia got the major uh, bad end of the stick there. And hey, we are we have the Daniel Dye cam again, dude. So <laughs> yeah. Hey, let's go to Daniel Dye and see what he saw. Also, there it is. God, that reminds me of me and I racing. Uh, Josevar gets loose on the restart. Big wreck. Zane Smith, Grala, Friesen, Chastain, Hill, Allen, Kligerman, Parsons involved. Zane lost all the stage points he gained and more for the regular season championship due to the incident. Red flag comes out. But due to this incident, Ty Majeski locks into the playoffs. Yeah, good deal there, man. <laughs> That's good. 
and stuff. Yeah, and Zane was on fire, man. He definitely knew he was out for the day. You know, most of all, he was on the apron, you know. Uh, you know, you like to call that turn two, but that's uh, going off of turn one. And he just slid up across the track, and it, it was tight. It just looked like he just, uh, I don't know, just kept right on going, slid right on, and took everybody into the wall. And then he got to carry out while everybody else got wiped out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, sometimes that's how the cookie crumbles, huh? Yeah, and, and we'll hear from Ty uh, in just a little bit here. But, uh, wow, Kyle Busch makes the pass for the win in the tunnel turn. I didn't think he would get there. Kind of pushed him up the track just a little bit, but nothing egregious. Win number 64 in the trucks, win 100 for Kyle Busch Motorsports. That's why he was so aggressive. Yeah, it sure was, man. He blew his doors off, man. Unbelievable. All of a sudden, he come into the tunnel turn. All of a sudden, he's on his bumper and went down low, cut low and took off. And, yeah, he was gone. <laughs> so, Bush wins over Heim, Taylor Gray, Bell, Enfinger, Ty, Eckes, Thompson, Rhodes, and Benedetto. Yeah, Majeski wasn't in the top ten, top twenty most of the day. Didn't even see him around, and all of a sudden they did a little strategy and got sixth place. Good finish for him. No doubt. Well, then the Xfinity Series race also at Pocono. Then uh, that same day, Mozak gets loose and Algar gets honor. Yeah, yep. So he's still learning, man. But I'll tell you what, it's been a um, it's, it's been an adventure for him this year. <laughs> yeah. Barry wins the stage over Hemrick, Nemechek, Sammy Smith, Creed, Jones, Mayer, Allgaier, Mozak, and Hill. He does something. Barry hasn't won a race yet this year. You know, he's still fighting for the points, you know. So, yeah, good stage win for him there. Yep. And how about this? Custer pit before the stage ends, so he would be the leader on the restart. Well, that's the strategy you can do that, dude. It's something like, uh, you know, when you're turning 47-second laps, you can ju jump in, get back out, and uh, still be on the lead lap. It's a unique place you can do that. Yep. Uh, Barry would win stage two over Elgire, Nemechek, Jones, Custer, Sammy Smith, Mayer, Herbst, Hemrick, and Chandler Smith. Yeah, that's for sure. Nemechek got into the wall early and it was wondering if that was going to affect, affect the car, but uh, he was still chugging along there in the top five. Yep. And then there's a wreck on the restart. Nemechek was given Kligerman a push and somewhat weaved back and forth there. Sammy tried pushing John Hunter, but John Hunter spins and collects Custer. It all started with the front, all the front end of the pack had old tires, so they were all packed up and uh, you know, they explained it like if if you're pushing a guy, whichever direction you're pushing him, that's which way he's going. And yeah, yeah, they were on a straightaway, man. They both almost did the uh, before the turn one wall. Yeah. Uh, Kaz Grala almost spins out. What a humongous save that was. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Hey, what about uh, um, Case in the 35? And he did about the same thing, how he kept it off the wall. That was amazing wheel, uh, wheeling on that car, too, when he spun. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Elgeyer gets up into the wall. I thought he would be okay, but that was heavier than just a brush. No caution for that. No, it sure wasn't. So, um, yeah, that pretty much destroyed the rest of his day. Yeah. Uh, Elgeyer makes contact with Gase, and Gase spins with 11 to go. 
Joey was just a little bit slower in front of Justin there, and it looked like maybe he was having an issue off the corner. Yeah, that was the one I was talking about. And just like Joey Gase did one heck of a wheel job to keep that off the wall. No doubt. Uh, Mozak goes in the wall and drags it. It would go into overtime. Overtime. Yeah, we like that stuff, don't we, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Barry gets loose into turn one, and Hill takes the lead. Then Barry gets back to the inside, comes up the track, but Mayer is is there as they come up the track, and uh, they make some contact. Barry had a flat and goes hard into the tunnel turn wall. And they threw the caution, man, but we all knew there was a bumper cover laying underneath the flag stand on the front stretch. I don't think there was no way that they were going to bring him back. They, they kept the green out as long as they possibly could there. Yeah. Uh, also, um, Sieg goes, uh, gets turned. Chaos was happening there. A caution does come out due to that incident. Austin Hill takes the win. But talking about that bumper cover there, I heard through the grapevine that they were not going to throw a caution due to that. They let the spotters know it was there, and they were going to race back to the finish. But when C got turned, they they threw the yellow. Unbelievable, dude. We all knew it was there. And say, well, what are you going to do about that? As you're watching the racing, when he came back around to finish it off, that bumper cover was still laying in the same spot we saw it. Yep. Uh, Hill wins over Mayer, Elliott, Herbst, Hemrick, Sammy Smith, Jones, Moffitt, Kligerman, and Suarez. Oh, that's a fourth win for a 21, man. So, uh, Austin Hill, man, he's uh, he's racking up the points, and uh, we'll see. Uh, he's getting, He might get out at the right time here. Yeah, absolutely. He's one to watch for sure. Absolutely. There's a few other tracks coming up that's in his wheelhouse, too. <laughs> yep. Well, let's get into the Cup Series right away as well. Uh, Yaley goes around and catches the inside wall. May have had help there. Yeah, he grabbed probably, too. You know, wasn't there three wide in the tunnel? I didn't think that helped uh, the situation on that one. I couldn't believe that. They were three wide for like three or four rolls going through the tunnel. I never thought we would see that there. I've never seen that before. That's unbelievable. All those sudden three wide and they and make it through there, man. So good driving, maybe a little luck, but we've never seen that before. No, no, nope. <laughs> not at all. I never thought it was possible. I mean, yep. that's crazy. That's for sure, man. Uh, some pit before the stage end, like usual. Logano would go ahead and win the stage over Truex, Hamlin, Reddick, Umendinger, McDowell, Wallace, Haley, Busher, and Jones. Yep, no surprises in that top ten. So with the strategy move, you'll always get uh, comers and goers. Yep. Uh, on the stage restart there, Reddick comes down slightly, makes contact with Logano. Logano gets pushed from behind and spins. Suarez gets collected. McDowell and Wallace get a piece of it as well. Um, unbelievable. And then also, I, I find out today what they're talking about. That they hooked the 22 up on all four tires, and they dragged him all the way around the track. And they're kind of trying to figure out a way of how they can tow these vehicles back to pit road, especially if you've got four flat tires and you're dragging it on his belly. So Suarez got collected in that as well. After McDowell and Wallace made contact, that's how Suarez got collected. And there's a video out there. You probably haven't seen this, but I'll uh, I'll try to bring it up to you or send it to you so you can watch it. 
There's a video in, in its audio of Logano sitting in his car, and he is just hot under the collar with the safety crew saying, what are they doing? Just hook me up from the back and tow me. Because with the flat tires, you can't you can't do that. You have to hook up from the back like that. But then, yeah, they towed him around the track, and you should have seen the tow job. Oh, my goodness. That that and beat up that car for sure. But the rule is, is if you step out of that car, you're done. As soon as your foot hits that black top, you're done. So he's staying in the car, and he said it shook the hell out of him all the way around. And it was destroying the bottom of the car. And uh, it was doing more damage than anything else of dragging that car around. Yeah, uh, I can understand him being mad, and he was the one. Yeah, he was upset. He's been uh, he's been talking about it this week. Yeah, there's some choice words there. Um, well, the safety uh, safety crew gets to him and all that. Um, it's a it's a funnyish video, but uh, it's not funny if you're in that situation. No, you can understand his feelings oh. on that. Yeah, but Suarez, he was destroyed. Yeah, he hit hard. Um, boy, that turn one has gobbled up a lot of race cars in this year. And, you know, got Suarez got a, he had a lot of damage out of that car after that hit. No doubt. And then the next restart, McLeod makes contact with Austin Dillon, and Dillon spins and hits the outside wall. He hit it, but the way he hit it with that back end there, um, he was going to be okay. No harm, no foul there, man. He just spun her out and carried on. Yep. And then the next restart, so we got three starts in a row here. Bell makes contact with Larson, who spins and hits the outside wall, and he would also be okay. But three restarts in a row that were just not good. Yep. And then Bell spins with five to go on the stage. That would actually end the stage under caution. Larson wins it over Ty Dillon, Byron, Hamlin, Bowman, Reddick, Gibbs, Blaney, Wallace, and Truex. Good camera work on Bell when watching him come off that tunnel turn. And all of a sudden it just, just spins right around. The rear end comes around and you're in no man's land. Um, good driving not to get into anything, but uh, it was uh, good camera work there to see all the 20 spot off the, the tunnel turn. Yep. And then a big crash. Austin Dillon hard into the outside wall after contact with Tyler Reddick. Oof. Uh, Dillon would then throw his helmet but missed Reddick's car there. Uh, he was not happy with Tyler. He wasn't happy he missed with the helmet, too. He was kind of <laughs> saying that he, he didn't he didn't lead him, he said. so. But uh, I don't know. Looking at, I looked at the two replays, and I thought that was Dillon's fault. I don't think he knew that Reddick was there. And he came down, chopped him, and yeah, and he backed her in the wall. It was a bad angle for the camera, too. It was hard to see when Reddick made his move. So was it kind of a late move and shouldn't have been made in Austin's mind? Or did Austin not give room and, and think it was a late move and it really wasn't? It was a bad angle for the camera. So hard for us to really give our opinion on. But either way, uh, Austin wasn't very happy. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, we haven't seen a helmet toss in a while, so it's good to see that that's still alive. And that was a pretty hard hit too. So I don't mean to laugh about that because it was it was hard. Absolutely, it was a hard hit. That's uh, he smoked the wall over there. Yeah. Uh, Ty Dillon then makes contact with Briscoe. Briscoe spins and hits the outside wall. Lots of damage there on the fourteen machine. Yeah, that was over in turn three. So yeah, but a lot of damage on that one too. Yeah, and then here is where I have in my notes three rows of three wide through the turn, tunnel turn. What? 
Uh, so we already talked about that. But then uh, Bush hits the wall out of four, but will continue. That was a decent shot. No caution due to it. But then Bowman gets loose with Hammond right behind him, spins and hits the outside wall. Hammond was tucked up right underneath him, but there was no contact. Yeah, Bowman was running third at the time, man, spun her out there. So, um, yeah, it looks like it looks like you lost the air off the back end there. Yeah. Uh, Hamlin pushes Larson on the restart and ducks to the inside. That was one hell of a move. But then he runs Larson into the wall, similar to Chastain last year. Truex, Harvick, Bush right on their back bumpers. Hamlin gets the lead. Then Haley wrecks hard under caution. Larson would hit Hamlin in the left front decently hard. May have even made him brush the wall as well. Hamlin said there was a line or a lane. His decision to stay in it, just like he said about Chastain last year, uh, Cliff Daniels would come over the radio to tell Larson that uh, he knows Hamlin's his buddy, but wait until you hear the crap they said on the radio. Maybe used a different word there, and he'll leave it at that. Um, wow. Right before they go green with three to go, Daniels says, great opportunity to do something about it right here as well. So interesting between the two friends. <laughs> yeah, good, good thing they're friends. Well, what would it be if they were enemies? But uh, I don't know, man. Uh, uh, race against them, man. It turned out the fans talking this week, huh? so it wasn't vanilla there. Absolutely. Especially if it involves Denny Hamlin. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he's ruffled some feathers. <laughs> yeah, he did this week. Absolutely. Uh, hey, they had to go back racing, though. Priest goes around in the tunnel turn. No caution. Uh, questionable call there. They take the white. Priest can't get going, so a caution is uh, flowing at that point. Hamlin wins. The crowd is booing tremendously, and you can hear it over the engines roaring. <laughs> yeah, literally, dude. Yeah, we've seen a lot of bird salutes, and... Uh, um... Yeah, it, the fans are in an uproar about that. You know, they're so fast on throwing cautions, and this one, they held it back. Uh, you and I talked before the show here. We both agree the same thing. Priest did go. He was actually moving. They were hoping that at least he could limp and get out of the way, but then he snubbed it. And he was sitting there. There was nothing you could do about it. He had to throw a caution there. Yeah, and, you know, I will say this, like, I understand the frustration from the fans on throwing the caution because they throw them where people even save them earlier in the races, right? But late in the races, they have been consistent with not throwing the caution right away. I believe that happened even the prior week, wasn't it? Um, uh, was it Priest again that was kind of uh, stuck there? It was someone who spun and was kind of stuck back there. They didn't throw the caution and um, and kept it going, but... Um, they've been kind of consistent with that lately as far as not throwing the caution near the end of the race to try to try to finish it. So I think they're they're doing that now. Does this incident make them think better of it? Who knows? I guess we'll see when the time comes. But they've been kind of consistent as of late as of not throwing the caution so early, especially to end the race there. So I don't really have an issue with it. It does stink for priests. Um to not be able to maybe pick up a few positions or have a, a shot at it um, after that caution comes out to do something more. But um, what do you do? It is what it is, man. Every every 
situation is unique. And so that's the way that one goes. And we carry on. Hamlin walks away with his 50th win. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, people say, oh, that's going well to win, which is bold tap. It's really amazing. I kind of get into just a little bit to see what the keyboard warriors just have to say. You know, I'm just like, okay. You know, you kind of feel the water out there and how it is and just saying, okay, I understand. You're, you're on your keyboard saying what you got to say. I thought it was okay, good show, and uh, hey, we're going to move off to Richmond, and that's where we're at, man. Yeah, and you know, um, they were there were booze for Hamlin, but primarily it sounds like with the people calling in to NASCAR radio, the booze were for not throwing that caution. They wanted another restart, and then who knows what happens with Reddick on fresher tires there too. I know Reddick wasn't very happy with them uh, making that decision either. But like I said, they kind of been doing that as of late. So we'll see what happens. Um, it was It's okay. I'm fine with it. Um, and we move on to Richmond, like you said. All right. Yes. So that one's over. Let's go to the next one. Yep. So Hamlin wins over Reddick, Truex, Harvick, Gibbs, Bell, Stenhouse, Burton, Jones, and Elliott. You mentioned it. It was win 50 for Hamlin, his seventh at Pocono, so now he's the winningest driver at Pocono, and the 600th NASCAR win for Toyota. So um, a big win for Hamlin, Toyota, Gibbs for sure. Um, Hamlin did double down that there was a lane in victory lane with Larson as well. But Kyle's they, they interviewed Kyle after, and they did some great reporting here. Uh, Kyle said it is what it is. They asked him also if it changes things off the track since they're good friends. He says, no, it won't tarnish a friendship, but Denny's always right. All the buddies know that he's always right. They go on to ask him if he'll race him differently. He says he thinks he has to at this point. Then he has had to call him four or five times about incidents and Kyle never has had to call him. So he didn't deserve that. And that he's, uh, He's sure he'll have a clip about it on Actions Detrimental. Uh, there was a lot to digest after the end of that race. <laughs> oh, boy, okay. Yeah, so the, the media wanted an explanation and some stuff out there, and there's a lot that goes through on all of that stuff. <laughs> yeah, there was. Um, yeah, I, I'll, let's talk about the Hamlin and Larson incident a little. I know where we've talked about what was said and all that, but um, – you and I talked before this, and I said it's very similar to what he did at Chastain last year. And I also think it's similar to the Larson and Wallace incident at Las Vegas, where with Larson and Wallace, a lot of people were saying, well, there was a lane there. But if you're looking where they are so close and where there's potential contact in these incidents, maybe not with Larson and Wallace, no contact. But when you say there's a lane there, that wall starts to come back. And there's no saving it at that point. You're so high that you're going to hit the wall. So there's really not a lane. If you take a still photo at the right time, there's going to be appear to be a lane there, but there's not because that quickly moves. Uh, the wall, you're getting at a weird angle for the wall to come back off that corner there. So to me, there's really not a lane. So Hamlin saying that, I, I just, I don't, I I don't agree with it. I don't agree yeah. with, with that. Now, if he, if he flat out says he had to do what he has to win, I have no problem with it. You want to do that to win? What comes around maybe goes around, but that's fine. But if you're going to say you have, have a you give him a lane, I disagree with that because of the way these cars race and the way the walls are jetting off the corners coming back, that lane really isn't there. 
and you're not in the groove while you're pulling that stuff off, dude. So, so yeah, I understand it. Yeah. Um, but it'll be interesting to watch for sure. Um, Richmond has its ways of having people get back at each other. So, uh, maybe something happens. Uh, we'll see. They are such good friends off the track. I don't know though. Kyle says it's not going to tarnish a relationship and he does a great job at um, mentalizing it, but compartmentalizing, excuse me. Um, but how does that not affect it off the track just a little bit? I mean, friends, family, they always, you know, you get in these little arguments that affects it for a little bit. So how does this not affect it? That's, it's going to be interesting to me for me to see what happens. Things all change when they put a helmet on. So <laughs> we'll see. Uh, yeah, there's new short tracks coming up and we'll see how it goes, man. There's all kinds of rivalries and feuds out there, man, to, to watch. So that's why we tune in and watch this stuff. I mean, this does might not come back next week, but when it gets to be championship time, something that happened this last weekend could actually determine something that could really hurt somebody in the championship. For sure. Yeah, and you know, it brings me back to all these things. Like, I like Denny's podcast. I've fallen behind on it, but um, it has a, I have a better appreciation for how his mind works. But um, I tell you this all the time, and I've told you this for years, and I've said it many times on this podcast, where – then he just puts himself in these spots at sometimes that he doesn't need to. And I don't know if this was one of these times because he ended up winning. It was a big win. Uh, could play dividends down the future, even in the playoffs you were talking about, where he might have a better point situation than Larson now because he won this race over Larson and Larson didn't finish well. Uh, but Denny's got to be careful because if he gets – he says he loves chaos, but when it comes down to it, the chaos hasn't helped him win a championship to this point. So how much does it, how much does he actually love the chaos? So he gets himself in these situations sometimes. So um, it'll be interesting to see. How many guys get to have fifty victories, dude? Yeah, so it's, it's, it is it is working for him, but uh, yeah, you don't want to make enemies when it comes to the end of the year. So yeah, but yeah, sometimes that has cost him a championship here and there. So, but this is a new year. We'll see how it, see how it goes on. Yeah, and you know, 50 wins, I believe that's 13th all-time. Uh, he's winning his driver at Pocono, like I said, 600th for Toyota. So uh, a huge, huge win for him. Certainly on his way to a Hall of, Fame, Hall of Fame career, regardless of the championship or not. And they announced uh, recently, Joe Gibbs said, that Denny Hamlin will be back next year, 2024, in an 11 car. I'm still holding my breath on that because I believe the same thing was said about Kyle Bush. Now this I believe has a better chance than Kyle Bush um does, but uh until I until I see it I kinda hold my breath on those situations. Well, that's something that was said this week and they put it brought it out there. So uh, it's worth checking off. He's got FedEx and as long as he's got FedEx, Denny Hamlin will be around. Yep. Yep. Absolutely good partnership for, for him there. Well, let's digress from all of that. Uh, I apologize. That was a lot to talk about and, and discuss. But um, let's go to the hotline one more time and let's catch again? up with to again. Uh, and, double header. <laughs> yeah. And let's catch up with our friend uh, Ty Majeski. It's been a few weeks, so let's bring him on. All right, Ty. Thanks for joining us again. How are you doing today? Uh, doing well. How are you guys doing? Hey, Todd, where, where are you in the world this time, man? You're all over the place. Where are you at, at, the, at the 
today. Yeah, I just traveled back from uh, from Pocono yesterday afternoon, and uh, just uh, here in Ohio, getting ready for the week. I'll be in, uh, here in Ohio all week, uh, leading up to Richmond, and uh, it's almost playoff time, so uh, time to turn up the wick and uh, try and make another run. <laughs> Absolutely. Fun time of the year, man. Uh, hey, we're going back to Nashville here. Uh, won't have much to say about it. Unfortunately, you kind of had a uh, sour engine there. Yeah, had something uh, that was not right all day. We had radio issues in practice, uh, limited practice time, and uh, found out that we had a, a sour engine really all day. And uh, yeah, uh, came in and uh, finally got it fixed. Obviously, went multiple laps down, and uh, the truck's actually pretty good after that. We uh, laid some lap times down that were. Um, you know, top two or three fastest lap of the race, and uh, unfortunately, nothing to show for it. So, um, yeah, unfortunately, in racing, you uh, you'll have those days. You'll have mechanical issues, and um, just got to rebound from it. Then you uh, went to Mid Ohio. Uh, great start to the day. You qualified second. You finished second in stage one. You won stage two, but you had a start on wet weather tires while it was raining. How was all that going on? It's always interesting. Um, honestly, I was uh, not very confident going in after qualifying in the rain there uh, two year, uh, last year. And uh, didn't really know what to expect. At least I, I've done it before uh, at that track and kind of know the line and sort of know what the limits are. Um, but honestly, it was just huge to have track position at that point uh, just because the spray is so bad. So thankfully, um, I was either first or second um, in, in, in the rain portion of that race, and I was able to uh, easily see, so that was good. And um, I actually surprised myself a little bit, adapted pretty good to the rain situation. and uh, was able to, to get the lead actually for Corey Ive for a little bit um, before my uh, teammate and, and went in the stage. So, um, overall, uh, not too bad compared to what I thought it was going to be racing in the rain. Hey, how do you, how do you know what your limits are? I mean, there was guys spinning out on the, on the base lap to start the race. I mean, uh, there was one time you came in the corner and you were loose in, man. How do you know the limits, man? I mean, you're drawing a fine line there. Yeah, super fine line. Um, honestly, it was nice to have Corey in front of me. He actually sat on the pole there last year in the rain. Uh, so to have him in front of me and sort of go off of his limits, right? And then, I, you know, after a couple laps, I realized that my truck was actually uh, better than his in the rain. And then I was able to set him up and pass him. And then, um, obviously, you know, from learning from him, I kind of knew where to break and everything into the corners and where the limits were. The biggest thing is understanding uh, when you're crossing the, the regular um, line, so our, I'll call it the dry line, um, understanding where the rubber is because that's where the slick part of the track is. You actually have a lot of grip offline, you know, not on the dry line. Um, you actually have more grip than what you think you would. So um, just understanding when you have to cross the dry line and knowing it's going to be really, really slick. So if you can understand that and put your truck 
in position, you know, under braking and under throttle where you're not in that dry line, you can make pretty good speed. So um, had to learn quick and dab quickly. And um, I was nervous about it, but I'm glad we uh, were able to get good stage points there uh, as, the, as the track transitioned into the dry. Unfortunate contact with your teammate Ben Rhodes there had you both coming from the back, but you guys did an awesome job rebounding to seventh. Talk about that contact and rebounding from it. Yeah, it was really a weird, it was kind of a weird deal. I mean, he was, he certainly thought I was going to let him go. I still had a pretty good run to the inside. Uh, we were on the final stage, obviously, uh, racing for the win at that point track position is pretty big um so neither of us you know gave each other room um i i was certainly still there but i was on the apron and then uh just that little bit of contact cut my right front down as soon as it did it shot me up into him and uh it obviously spun him out so uh it was good for us both to rebound but you never want to um make have contact with a teammate when both of you have a chance to win. Um, so just have to clean that up. Need to be, need to be better than that. Racing, uh, racing my teammate, uh, on both of ours. And so unfortunate, uh, that we cost ourselves both of a chance at the win, but thankfully we, we rebounded decent, decently and, and, uh, actually both had a really good point today. Then we head to uh, Slinger Super Speedway where you qualified third. You made your way through the pack to third, applying pressure to Nason at the break. Yeah, we had a solid car. Um, it wasn't, you know, great, but it was good. Um, I thought I could maneuver traffic pretty good, but Luke could just make passes a little bit easier than what I could. He was able to get track position easier uh, his car was just more versatile whether it was passing people or um uh or or navigating lap traffic so uh in open track we were pretty even uh for the most part but uh overall he, he was just a, a little bit better than what we were but uh to get that kind of track position that's where you want to be at the break is in the top two or three uh or or, or even four just to be on, on those first two rows uh, is, a, is a big deal. So uh, that was my goal. That's always my goal is to get to the top two or three um, by the break to put yourself in position to race for it at the end. Yeah, then all of a sudden, you know, you two were r running through the lap traffic uh, pretty much identical, and they got that caution at the end. Hey, on that restart, uh, you know, he chose the inside, you're on the outside. You really hit that uh, restart. You launched off at a perfect uh, pace right there, didn't you? Yeah, it's uh, you know, after racing guys over and over again, you learn their tendencies and you know where they where they like to restart, right? I was I've been in position with Luke there um, a lot of times on the front row with, with him leading and being second, and um, you take mental notes of that, right? And uh, I guessed right, you, I had to, and I uh, I guessed it at the exact point he was going to go. And, uh, and that was the race right there. Uh, if I don't time that right, I, I don't win the race. So, uh, sometimes you guess right. And sometimes you don't. And, uh, it was obviously a good time for me to guess correctly. And I was able to, to hold him tight, control his entries and, and finally clear him. 
Yeah, I don't know if I've ever seen an even restart where both guys fire at the same time like that. That was uh, incredible. Hey, you're a, a three-time Slinger National Champion now. You go on to win the race there. You were really beaming after this one. I think it was more because you probably didn't have necessarily the best car, as you were saying, but you pulled off the win, which uh, doesn't always happen. Is that? Am I correct in saying that? Yeah, it's hard to do, right? You know, I, I love having great race cars and leading all the laps and, uh, you know, <laughs> smoking everyone. But, uh, you know, there's also some, some gratitude and, uh, in racing, you know, in a, in a race where you don't necessarily have the, the best car, and, uh, you, you find a, a way to win. And I think uh, sometimes that, you know, shows a lot about, you know, race car drivers. I go to Bob Pollard, there's a lot of races that, he really doesn't have the best car at, but he kind of lays in the weed, saves his tires, and he's able to uh, to be there at the end and, and pull off a win just because he's he outsmarts the rest of the field. So um, I don't want to say that was one of those instances. I just uh, ha had a good restart, and um, and, and that, that feels good to be able to do that. Obviously, Luke is uh, really, really good at Slinger, and uh, he does a good job there. And, um to beat him there is uh is not easy so um great win for us uh wish we could have got some of that lap money but uh <laughs> i'll take the win over the lap money any day hey then you head to uh anderson indiana where mark was actually down there as well uh tell us about your experience down at the red bud 400 yeah anderson's a, a different racetrack we just honestly we just unloaded too far off uh we came there with a package we thought was going to be right. And we just spent all of practice migrating towards what we had at Slinger. If we would have just unloaded with our Slinger setup, we would have been so much better. Uh, by the time we finally realized that's what we needed, we were, we, we were out of practice. So we didn't get enough time to really fine tune our Slinger setup to that racetrack. So, uh, looking back at it, there was a number of things I would have done different from a setup and package perspective. Uh, unfortunately, just didn't have the uh, time to do that. At least ASA Stars Tour races, you, you don't get a lot of practice at all. Um, so it makes it difficult. So you, it's, it, uh, it's important to unload correct and uh, not have to spend a lot of your time making big package changes uh, to get your car where it needs to be. And unfortunately, that was in the position that was the position that we were in. So, uh, but overall, it was a, a good showing for us. Not a lot of laps. Um, you know, as the track transition from day to night, uh, I felt like we lost the balance a little bit, and then uh, we put those right side tires on. And I, I don't know what happened. I don't know if we have had a bad tire. I, I, I hate blaming uh, tires when you go from dominating the race to not. But. Uh, I don't really have another explanation. Honestly, we did not change the car at all. Um, didn't make any adjustments. We thought that we maybe had a chance to win, given how the first part of the race went. Uh, so we just pulled the right side tires on, and I just didn't have any grip. It didn't turn well. I didn't have good drive. It just, uh, I don't know what happened, but uh, overall, it was still a, a really good points day, leading the most laps. Uh, winning both stages so I think I think I only lost like two or three points to Cole uh, even though he won the race so it was uh... oh. 
Well, then we uh, head to uh, Pocono where you had a flat tire in qualifying, unfortunately. Uh, yeah, we uh, sometimes with your with how much you travel the rear at Pocono and uh, with your qualifying adjustments, we uh, buried the trap bar on the right side. And uh, when you bury the track bar on the right side, it puts, uh, if you can imagine the track bar, right, it's whatever, 40-some uh, inches. When you lower the right side and the left side stays where it is, it um, obviously shortens that bar and it pulls the pulls the rear end over to, uh, to the right. So, uh, unfortunately, we uh, basically had a body rub from our qualifying adjustments. And uh, with the long straightaways, we uh, rubbed a hole in the sidewall, and uh, thankfully, I felt it didn't uh, didn't waste a truck, and uh, we're able to, to obviously undo our qualifying adjustments for the race and, and uh, fire off the race with uh, uh, with no issues. So, uh, Pocono's a track you really want to have track position at. Um, so we kind of just had to play catch up all day. Joe made a great call to to flip the second stage and get get us some track position and uh and gave us a chance to uh to 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 win the race in the end so um when you get to the top three four or five it's it's hard to really hard to make passes and uh just kind of just leveled off there fifth or sixth and uh didn't have a great last restart and ended up six so uh but overall good day uh we had obviously a, a, a seventh and, and sixth place finish Respectively, heading heading into uh, Richmond, uh, which should be a great track for us. We're headed into a, a really good stretch of race tracks and races for us, so uh, we're excited to uh, put another run together heading into the playoffs. Hey, you know, many say that the tunnel turn is one of the toughest corners in uh, in racing. Uh, do you agree with that? Well, it's just so rough. Um, my truck was not good through the tunnel this uh, this last weekend just really struggled with ride quality and being able to consistently be confident in my truck heading through there, uh, that, it, that I wasn't going to step out from underneath me. So, uh, something we need to work on going back, but, um, I thought we had a, uh, a decent truck, uh, not great. So, um, but it was, I, I can't complain. Like I said, I was coming from the back, um, and, and passing quite a few trucks and then, uh, flipping the stage and 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 getting uh, some more track position was uh, was a good call and we're in position to run fifth there for a while and got a, a couple of yellows late but uh, overall a, a good day for us. Yeah, for people that don't know, you stayed out at the uh, stage break there and one were one of the trucks to pit with three to go in stage two, which was a great call by Joe there. You finished sixth, nice job battling all day. And hey, now you're locked into the playoffs, which was pretty much a foregone conclusion anyway. But, um, you know, you're actually officially locked in now. Well, that's always good to, you know, be officially locked in and go to Richmond with nothing to worry about. Uh, can be aggressive with uh, strategy calls. Uh, we're going to have to be, uh, you know, I think fairly um, aggressive all playoffs just because we don't have a lot of playoff points built up at this point. Um, but our goal is to go in and win Richmond and, and build up some of those playoff points. So um, that's kind of going to be our goal here in this first round is to uh, do the things that we need to do to uh, put ourselves in position to uh, advance to, to round two and, 
uh, and uh, and hopefully make it to Phoenix. Going into Richmond, like you said, for the season finale here, uh, like you said, it's going to be a good track for you. Give us your thoughts on on going to Richmond there. Yeah, we had a, a good truck last year. Uh, one first stage, ended up finishing third to both KBM trucks. So should be a good track for us. Um, we kind of know what we need to do there going back to be a little bit better. Uh, I was in the simulator uh, last week, Monday. And uh, and figured out some things that we fought in uh, in real life there last year, and it correlated to the simulator. We were able to uh, then fix those things in the simulator. So, um, pretty confident uh, going into Richmond, and hopefully we can put it all together and uh, finally get a win on the board here. And then right after that, you come back home here on Tuesday with the Gandrew Two Fifty. Looking forward to that one, huh? Uh, coming back to to the home track is always good. Um, very limited practice for uh, the Dixieland. We're going to have the least amount of practice that we've ever had for that race, and it's ASA race. So, um, although I love a lot of practice um, to, to try some things, uh, we're going to be in a better position than uh, than most. So, uh, excited to head to uh, to Kakata. Really should be a, a good track for us. Obviously, um, our our last track that's probably a good track on the ASA Starters Tour if we decide to to run the whole series after that we'll go to toledo winchester to nashville so uh, gonna just try and build up as, as big of a point lead as we can and hopefully we can have a, a good dixieland and uh and try to put a little bit more yeah you've won the dixieland a, a few times ty and you know the thing that'll be different this year is uh the the rules four barrel on there which will be interesting i'm really intrigued to see how that is different from a two barrel, because I don't know that uh, I've seen a four barrel on a car at WIR. And if I did, I was quite young. Yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be wild. I'll tell you that. Um, that place is tough to navigate on a two barrel. So uh, four barrel is just going to be incredibly interesting with only two tires leg. You're going to have to go 250 laps on your left side. So um, I think you're going to, Unfortunately, see um, with a couple things, I think you're going to see a lot of riding. A couple reasons for that. Um, like I just mentioned, you're going to have to go 250 laps on your left side tires. Uh, that left rear tire is going to take a lot more beating than a two barrel. Uh, second thing is, this fuel mileage is going to be a huge issue. Um, guys are going to try and stretch to that 180 and, and put their tires on, but everything that I'm calculating is you cannot make it to lap 180. So you're either going to have to pit twice or guys are going to be um, conserving fuel. Um, caution lap. Um, so when we get the caution, it's that he's good for fuel mileage. It'll be bad for fuel mileage. So in stages, it could be tight to even make it 90 laps on fuel if you have an 18 gallon fuel cell with a motor barrel. So um, unfortunately for the fans, you're probably going to see a lot of riding around. I really wish that they would maybe give us more tires, just that that would force us to pit twice, just so we can we can see guys actually racing. Um, instead, you're just going to see a bunch of cars riding around till lap 180. Um, so I tried to tell them. I, I don't know if they'll do anything about it. I, I think if you just made the race an eight tire race, it would. Um, you know, really changed the 
outlook of the race and change the way that we approached it to make it a little bit more exciting. Uh, but unfortunately, I think you're going to see a, 180 laps of, um, for the most part, riding around. So all, uh, all indications are telling me that's what it's going to be. Well, we'll uh, we'll end it there, buddy. We appreciate the information and insights into some of the Dixieland stuff. We appreciate you coming on talking about your truck stuff and everything as well, as always. Um, hey, congratulations on officially being locked into the NASCAR truck playoffs. Have fun at Richmond, and we'll see you up here for the Dixieland, buddy. Sounds great, guys. Appreciate you having me out. Thank you. All right, man. Go in Richmond, man. Go get some, go get some points over there, man. Yeah, thanks, Mark. Mark, it's always nice to talk to Ty after a few weeks of racing there. <laughs> Tell you what, he's a busy guy with the truck, the ASA Tour, ASA Midwest Tour, Slinger Nationals, all these other races in there. Um, so we appreciate him coming on and, and mi mixing in us and his his busy schedule, man. Yeah, pretty cool, man. So, yeah, it's, uh, all he's got to do is win, you know, a NASCAR, man. You know, with the points where he's at, you know, just win, baby, and you just keep moving on. So, <laughs> Yeah, we'll see how it goes uh, going into the playoffs pretty soon. Yeah, you heard in the interview there, the one thing I just keep going back on is how him and Luke fired off at the same time. I've never seen a more even start uh, at the Slinger Nationals, and now he's a three-time Slinger National champion. Yeah, you know, I always say you fall into it, you know, but, you know, you make your own luck, you know, he was there. Yeah, it was absolutely uh he, he launched off on a perfect restart there. And, you know, he felt bad for Luke, you know, just like, what a yeah. bummer, you know, the race was there and everything like that. But, hey, Luke came back next week at Iowa, and he got his victory kind of kind of in the same kind of way, you know. And so so and things work out. That's racing, man. That's the way it works. Yeah, absolutely. Um, he, he finished it off uh, yesterday, so this is being recorded a little earlier than the rest of the stuff. But, um, he finished it off with a good day at Pocono after uh, battling track position all day with that flat tire and qualifying. But good job by him not uh, overdoing it and uh, crashing that truck, like he said. Yeah, you know, that's a 150-mile race, man. <laughs> I tell you what, Pocono, that's one of the fastest races of the year, man. you got to get get up on the wheel, man, because that, that's a really short race. Yeah, even Kyle Busch said he wishes it was longer, so – um very short absolutely it was uh i had to go back and watch the race and i don't it didn't take me real long to, to watch the whole thing yeah i just saw the result i'm in the middle of a cornfield right now barely having any reception we're at uh camping out here in the middle of wisconsin so yeah i'm off the grid for a few days but i came out of the park and drove out here and uh, just to talk to ty makes my day man <laughs> Hey, and uh, how about him going to Richmond? That's a good track for him. Maybe he can get some more momentum into the playoffs by getting a win there or a good finish. Uh, it's going to be a good track for him. He seems excited for it and thinks the same way. Man, I'll tell you what, a win, five points, you know, for championship points, man, that's huge. And that's huge, five points. That's five positions on the racetrack. Yeah, and then uh, next Tuesday already is the, the Dixieland. So, um crazy how we're already there so it'll be good to see like i said in the interview it's going to be interesting seeing that two barrel versus four barrel because four barrel we i've talked to drivers and they said they can feel the difference so now you're going to go into i think of going into turn one and using more brakes than you usually do it's it's going to be interesting yeah isn't it interesting you have to run 250 on the left sides all the way there so yeah um 
yeah, interesting uh, observation by Ty like that. So, um, but uh, we'll see how it goes, man. Um, we'll see how it goes. It's always always a good show. Okay, so now we'll ride. But guess what? At the end, man, you got to be there and you're going to battle for it. So it's still going to end up turning out to be a good show. Oh, no doubt about it, man. No doubt about it. Well, thanks to Ty and Jordan for joining us early in the show, man. It's always good to catch up with them. Uh, let's go into some news, Mark. Some uh, shocking things here. Justin Haley has agreed to drive Ricker, or excuse me, Richard, uh, Rick Ware Racing uh, next year. So he moves over from Colleague. This has shocked me because he's been primarily a Chevy driver. So he's going to go over to the Ford and Rick Ware Racing. And uh, they have a partnership with RFK. So a lot of people are thinking this could be a bad career move for him. But he says people will say that from the outside. But when they see the uh, deals of the inside, they may think uh, different of it. And I do got to say that RFK has definitely been improving. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, right away I said that was a downgrade. But, uh, um, yeah, we'll see what happens behind the scenes and make it work. I think it's going to take a little bit for them to grow. So, um, you know, there's going to be some growing pains there, but it can actually get that 51 car up and running better. Yeah, for sure. And that, um, you know, you think about colleagues, uh, Carnell, who gets put in there? We just talked about a guy who I think has the upper hand, Austin Hill, has a couple of wins in the Xfinity Series. Can he move to colleague? Richard Childers doesn't seem to have a spot available unless they go to three teams. So does he go to Colleague and they have a partnership with RCR? Yep. So there's another part of the silly season, man. Just just got cranked up on that one. So another car in limbo. We'll see who's in the 31 next year. Yep, for sure. Well, uh, what do you say we make our picks here to end this thing, buddy? Yeah, we can do that for sure, man. Hey, I want to talk about Wausau. That we went up to uh, before we do the picks. Yeah, that Wausau race, man. All of a sudden, we thought we had weather, and and some people were just like, you know, the weather was coming in and it was totally deflating. Uh, two, hour, two hours, always seeing the radar coming, just like, oh, this thing's a bust. And we were actually trying to reserve bar seats at the bar bar stools at the bar, and. Uh, Somehow the, the racing gods cleared the skies for us. We got just a little drizzle, and we ended up with one heck of a show at the Wausau Saturday night. Oh, what a show. I love Wausau. Uh, don't get up there as much as I like to. I say that about a, a lot of tracks. But, um, yeah, what a show. We dodged the weather there. I told you we'd be all right, and we were. Yeah. And boy, when Lauren Leach says we're going to be all right, well, by gum, we're going to be all right. sure <laughs> Yeah, uh, a great event for sure. Uh, unfortunate late incident with Gabe Summers and John Buell there. Um, it was setting up to be such a great finish. Um, unfortunately, they they came together and, and racing things happen. And I tell you what, their attitudes were okay after. You could tell Gabe was uh, a, little, a little frustrated, um, but wasn't anything towards the five too much and, and Buell was okay with it. Understands it's racing at Wausau. Um, I think the reason Gabe was showing a little bit more frustration is he's been so fast everywhere and it's been uh, hard to find victory lane, but he's having a great season as well. Yeah. The results have hurt, uh, hurt Summers for how he has ran. Uh, yeah. Their attitudes were just great. Hey man, they're entertainers. They're there to entertain us. And I'll tell you what, um, 
as for how the crowd saw that race, some guys got to be satisfied. That the crowd just loved that. Unfortunately, win and, and and the Brock Star. Oh, he was so happy. And <laughs> he kept himself in it all day, man. He kept himself there. He was going to go bowling and decide to race in the last minute and, and pulls off victory, man. That was that was fun. Yeah, how about that? A little bit of an upset, I guess. Uh, one for the locals, which we've seen kind of through this season. You know, you think back to Sawyer Efforts taking the Tundra Series. First local to do it there, but Deachin's big win for Brock Heinrich. And, um, man, he's a, he's a guy you like hanging out with. He's got a lot of energy. And kudos to him and his crew. They're having a fantastic season at Wausau, too. And what a huge win for them. Oh, yes, sir. It was a fun place, bad place was packed. And uh, we dodged the weather. It was a perfect kind of an evening up there in Wausau. Yeah, and I want to mention Jevin Gorowski, who finished second. He's – uh. Newer into the super late models, he said he thought he would be a field filler. He finishes second. Uh, that was very impressive. Yeah, looking at the scoreboard, all of a sudden, 20. 20, really? You know, it, he just laid under the radar all day, man, but he performed flawlessly, and he had a great run up there. Absolutely. Top five all day, just like Brock. Um, kudos to, to that. And How about Luke having to start in the back, finishes fourth? Um Amondike had to go to, he didn't have to go to the back, but he had kind of had some contact during the race that sent him. Um, he lost a bunch of track position, I should say. So he had to work his way back up. He finished his fifth there. Um, unbelievable event, man. Long, long, laps doing. He ran, what, 119 laps solid? Unbelievable, man. Their tongues are hanging out, but, uh, yeah, at the end, looked at the scoreboard and just like, wow, there's some numbers that just changed. Everybody worked hard for the top five. And how about Levon coming home in third? He gained some points there. We talked to him before the race, and that was his goal. So good finish for Levon as well. Yep, sure was. Yep. Let's also talk about uh, Wisconsin uh, International Raceway. Uh, again, we always like to recap the, the winners there. Another fantastic week last week. Um, you just heard from one of the winners there, Jordan Thiel. So that was a good time for, for him to win. We planned this one right, so congratulations to, to Jordan again. Uh, how about George Schwalbach winning in the street stock, Jason Van Handel in the sport truck. Uh, the quarter mile late models were back. J um, Dan Thompson gets his second win, so his rookie year in that division is going well. Henry Neerdales, he's been having a tough season. He finds victory lane. Uh, in the late models, Brent Strelk in that 52 car really have it going on. Uh, Jordan Fickle in the 47 gets his first win. Remember, he's teaming up with Justin Fickle, his brother who won the track championship last year. Jordan hops in the ride, gets his first career win. And then Tyler Vanderblumen also gets his first win in the figure eights there to uh, wrap up the night after Jordan Field took the super late model. So fantastic night. Looking good for tomorrow night as well. Hot. Uh, hope the weather will hold off. There's some chances in there, but uh, come on out. Try to stay cool and enjoy the show because it's been a great season so far. Unfortunately, I'm up in Marathon County. I will not be out there sweating with my fellow 2,000 fans out there. I'm going to miss a Thursday night down there doing family things up this way. Going to try to do the Dirt Kings at Antigo on Friday, weather permitting. Um, we'll see. That's a 50-50 shot. And, uh, hey, man, the 250 staring us right in the face, man, for next Tuesday. 
Yeah, I'm uh, looking forward to seeing the entry list. That hasn't been released yet, but uh, we're going to be there. It's going to be a great show. Looking forward to that one. I know we talked about that on last week's podcast, too. So uh, looking forward to that Tuesday. So it's going to be a great week seeing uh, Thursday night, Tuesday, and then Thursday night again, uh, which I think you're going to miss next week, too. So you're only going to be there on Tuesday. Yeah, that's for sure, because in the following week, it's the Nationals national uh, championships up at Cedar Lake. It's a three-night show up there, man. So all the way across the state to cover some stuff over there. Going to get dirty. <laughs> Going to get real dirty over there. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, buddy, um, man, we love short track racing, but let's make our picks for the NASCAR weekend coming up here at uh, Richmond and then the local race here for the Xfinity race um, at Road America. Um, I believe I thought about going to Road America and I was going to apply for media, but I've made the decision to actually go up to Norway for the Tundra Super Late Model Race. So that'll be a good one as well. All right. Hope you get good weather when the Tundra Series is up there. Sounds good for this weekend. I heard it's Chamber of Commerce kind of weekend weather coming. Just got to get through this little heat to heat uh, heat wave here and a little bit of moisture on Friday with this weekend. Sounding beautiful, man. Good. Good to hear, man. All right, so the uh, truck series is at Richmond. The defending winner is Chandler Smith. He will not be in the field this time. I have the first pick there. I am going to go with Ty Majeski. You heard him just a short while ago. He finished third last year. I think he gets it done in Richmond. That's my line. That's <laughs> my line. That was my driver. So, but I better, I better throw somebody really heavy on you. To keep up with Ty, and I think Corey Heim can give everything to Ty. And then make it a two-man race right there. We'll see who the best man wins. And remember, it's the cutoff race for the playoffs here. So we're going to be going into the playoffs after this race. So it's super important to get that momentum. Yeah, we're going to see who who points in and who doesn't. That, that makes for a, a good uh, side, side watch there. Richmond. Absolutely. And, and since you're talking about that, I'm going to look up the points here really quick to talk about what it's looking like. Um, so playoffs here, uh, Matt Crafton is the cutoff driver. He's plus nine. Stuart Friesen is down nine. And then everyone else is pretty much must win because Tanner Gray is 47 back, Chase Purdy is 54 back and so on. So Matt Crafton plus, uh, plus nine there. Uh, Matt Benedetto plus 31. So um, not super close, but Friesen has a shot. Yeah, but Friesen was in the middle of that pile up at Pocono, and that, that really could possibly kill his season. Yep, yep, for sure. Um, we'll get into the standings for the other series at, at another time here. Uh, Mark, you pick first for the Xfinity Series, which again is at Road America. Last year's winner was Ty Gibbs. He will not be in the field this time around. Hey, we, I'm going to pick somebody that's really good there, and he's just going to pop up and be in town here, even though that the Cup guys are over in Richmond. He's going to pop up and come on up here and take the victory. That'll be A.J. Allmendinger. We've, we've seen him, how he gets around that place. Yeah, absolutely. Good pick by you. Um, due to A.J. running the Road America race, Derek Krause has been asked to qualify and practice the 16 cup car at Richmond. So cool opportunity for Derek. Ain't that something? That's a good deal there too. So that's a team effort play right there, man. It's all part of the team and how to keep it going. No doubt. Uh, I, 
AJ was my first pick there, but I'm going to go with someone who runs strong on the road courses and could use a win. I'm going to go with Sheldon Creed. He's been pretty consistent on the road courses and showing some speed. So I'm going to throw Sheldon Creed at you for this one. That's a good pick, man. That's a good pick. He's good at, he's good at road courses for sure. And then the Cup Series at Richmond as well, just like the trucks. Last year's winner was Kevin Harvick. You picked first for this one as well. Well, and Harvick, he was the first one I written down, and I was like, oh, hold it. I can find somebody just just a tad a little bit better at Richmond. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw you a big dose of uh, Christopher Bell. He sure has a lot of great results there at Richmond. Christopher Bell was my second pick. But I'm going to throw a heavy hitter at you and someone that's going to be driving mad. I'm going to go with Kyle Larson, who won uh, back in the spring here. So I'm going to throw Kyle Larson to rebound after that disappointing incident at Pocono. Boy, we got all three series, man. We got some heavy hitters between us two. So should be uh, interesting to see who can get the momentum here going into the fall. Yeah, this is one of the weeks here where we really got some competitive matchups throughout all three. Um, I could see. So this is this is going to be interesting for sure. Um, hey, the truck series at Richmond is Saturday night. That's 6.30 Central on FS1. Road America for the Xfinity Series is also Saturday. That's at 2 o'clock Central on NBC. And the Cup Series at Richmond on Sunday at 2 o'clock Central on USA Network. So there you go, man. And uh, weather looks great for Saturday down there. And Sunday, well, well, naturally NASCAR's in town, they threw a 50-50 on them. It's supposed to be 100 down there on Friday at Richmond, and then it's supposed to cool off a little bit on Saturday, and Sunday's a 50-50 deal. So that's that's your weather report from Richmond this week. Yeah, on SiriusXM uh, Channel 90 there, they were talking about how it could be a hot one at Richmond. So hopefully not too bad for the drivers. So um, everything shakes out okay, but. The heat is everywhere, man. We're, we're even getting a little piece of it. Just a little. There's a lot of people that's been suffering this summer. Yep. Yep, absolutely. Well, it should be a, a fun couple days ahead. Again, tomorrow night, another edition of Thursday Night Thunder for the Fox River Racing Club at Wisconsin International Raceway. Come on out. Racing starts at 6.30. And then uh, I'm going to the Tundra Series, like I mentioned, up in Norway uh, for, for the Tundra Superlay Models. Come on up there. Uh, and see it and also nascar uh over the weekend as well at richmond and road america i know a lot of people will probably be heading over to road america from here so uh great weekend ahead mark thanks for uh finding a spot to get some service and uh joining me again on this one we'll come back with uh episode number 91 next wednesday and uh hey we'll talk to you soon buddy well, see you Tuesday, man, when I get back to town, all right? See, yeah. you, see you Tuesday for the Dixieland 250. You betcha, buddy. See you then. This has been a production of Lore Sports. Hope you all enjoyed it, and thank you for listening.